0: live. I'm Graham Lynch. Welcome to the show. We've got a pretty interesting show today. Two interviews, Aussie Broadband CEO Phil Britt, where he'll be telling us all about their latest financial year results and some pretty interesting trends in the market. But first, NBN CEO, Stephen Roo. NBN released a corporate plan this week, a much reduced corporate plan in a sense, because the major build is now over. And now really it's about incremental upgrades and meeting financial targets and so on but nevertheless there was the announcement of 300,000 more premises slated for a fiber to the node to fiber to the premises upgrade that takes the total uh, either earmarked or in design or in construction to 1.4 million out of a total of 2 million that have been planned and at the same time, the HFC network has also been upgraded to the point where it'll be pretty much uniformly gigabit capable by the end of the year. So I had a chat with Mr. Roo about this and, and some other topics. Here it is.
1: The, the network was declared fully built and operational in December by the minister. We, basic, we completed the, um, the build in June 2020. We released a Corporate plan last year, that talked about a four and a half billion investment in in, in um, business upgrades, in re, in co investing with states and regional, and in lifting the capability of the fixed line network. Yeah. And since, and really, we're an operational business, and where the corporate plan therefore talks about resilience, reliability, security, emergency services. the the sort of thing you'd expect us to do and and indeed a further commitment to continuing to work ever closely with retailers um, around pricing as we're doing but also around customer experience and we said we do all that and this plan basically reports out that we're doing that. You you, you can see that we've now um, announced 1.4 million of the 2 million we will, by the time tomorrow, we'll have announced 1.4 of the 2 million FTT FTT n to p areas and we're on the hfc network we've really done the the engineers have done a fantastic job this year because we've got the whole network able to order 250 up to 250 service and 90 percent of the hfc footprint can now get up to the highest speed here Mm. and we're just continuing on that right really and that's what as you say that's what this plan is is just delivering upon what we said we would
0: yeah, now obviously with the HFC, it's a much easier process. But can you talk me through, I mean, by converting that to, um, you know, a 500 meg to gigabit capacity, you've effectively doubled your footprint that can offer those speeds. And, and that's a done deal. It's pretty much done now. What did you actually have to do to make that happen? And how, how did you manage to do it so quickly?
1: Um, there's, there's, there was a lot of um, back office engineering work that was needed in the in the exchanges and uh, at the CMTS level, and there was also capacity upgrades in the uh, actually in the field that had to be done, um, and a lot of things like spectrum clearing as well that needed to be resolved. and And how was it done? The engineers focused heavily on capacity upgrades, I guess, as part of the when the COVID um, challenge hit us. But they got then into a rhythm of simply going, you know, area by area and and doing whatever engineering work has to be done at a very rapid pace. And it's it just, you know, I'm really pleased with the team for, for the speed at which they've actually got that done. And by, by December, we should have almost the whole of the footprint available for the highest speed
2: here.
0: Now, with the fibre to the node to premises, I, I call it an overlay, although I know that's not your preferred term, but yeah, that technically that's how it looks to me. It's an overlay. Um, have you, you you had a consultation going with RSPs talking to them about the mechanics of how it might work. And For example, one question that was posited was if, if we're going to upgrade a customer and undertake this CapEx commitment, what kind of commitment do they have to make back to us? Like as a three-year contract or... You know, yeah. The RSP bears some liability. What What is your current thinking on how that's going to work?
1: We got We got a lot of feedback from very helpful feedback from the retailers who who obviously are going to be uh, the, the ones that selling the benefits of of, of um, moving from a particular speed to a higher speed, and rather oh. ra- so actually rather than requiring a contractual time frame, which the retailers very um helpfully pointed out will make it difficult to sell to a to a two-year contract because that's not how they sign up their customers if you like and we're still thinking through frankly the best way to um uh, ensure that we get a financial return but also have some sort of protection for us to the extent that we don't end up with and people people signing up and then obviously dropping down to to a lower speed here at at a later point in time. Graham, I think I think we're still we're still pondering the um, responses back from the retailers, but I think the clarity was that they needed it to be simpler, and we will we will go back with a simpler <laughs> model to the retailers so that we can actually ensure that they have the capability of easily uh, not just easily selling it on to to their customers but also that the complexity between mbn and the retailers which frankly is often too complex we need to simplify that so we look at ways that we can try and simplify the process better than what was laid out in the original paper for us while also making sure that our own financials are protected. So that's, it's still work in progress, but we're close to going back to the retailers with with, with with what what will be a simpler um, proposal.
0: Yeah, okay. Um, and I'll, I'll ask a devil's advocate question here, right? I asked it last year, but I, I still don't feel satisfied on this. Um, you know, we're talking $3.5 billion spend for a, effectively, you know, mostly on 2 million homes. You know, obviously there's a bit of extra as well but mostly 2 million homes. That's in the context, you know, NBN itself turns over only a billion and a bit more a year. So it's a big spend in the context of of annual revenue. Is it worth it in terms of the incremental revenue that you can generate from having people go to 100, 250 meg, 1,000? You're talking about, in terms of ARPU, on your current rates, you're talking about increments of $13, twenty five dollars can you justify that spend?
1: I think I think Graeme that when you when you think about a network, it's it's a I always say it's a living, breathing thing, and it needs to continue to be invested in. And when you build an infrastructure, which we are, as an infrastructure asset. You you invest for the long term. When you think about the long term requirements of the Australian economy and indeed Australian society. Um, we're going to see lots of we're going to see lots of changes and advancements in both society and the economy in the next decade plus. We're going to see an ever greater need for um, broadband capability, and inevitably, ongoing growth in data, and inevitably, ongoing needs for higher speeds. What you don't want to be in a position is that you're investing too late because it takes. This program we announced last September, we said we'd complete it by December 23. So that's the sort of time frame you're talking about. So um, the, the actual needs, needs of people will continue to grow and continue to evolve. And therefore, it's important to invest at the right time for what people will need in the future. So over the, over a when you look at the economics over a long period of time, there will be a need for higher speeds, and and frankly, the, the, this also will enable us to take some costs out of the business too. Because to for every line that gets moved to a um, a fibre service, you've obviously got got less copper remediation, for example, to do. So when you when we look at when we look at the business case over a, a you know, ten-plus period. The, the footprint that we're selecting is efficient to build. It's um, it's where we believe that we will get revenue uplifts earlier than the other parts of the network, and and is obviously spread across the country to to provide some quality, but also to provide some economic stimulus across the country. So over a long period of time Graham as an infrastructure asset, this this is absolutely accretive to the business case.
0: Okay, and on that note, as you just um, you, you obviously correctly identified that this doesn't manifest for a couple of years, so you, you, you know it's, we're talking about the market of two thousand and twenty-five, not not twenty-one, where this is going to be out there. Um, cool. At the same time, I mean, data usage is inc- exploding now. I'm not talking about speed demand, but the actual data that we're using every month, the gigabytes we're downloading. I think. The corporate plans is went up 70% last year or some incredible number. It seems to me that a specific issue you might have now is the backhaul behind the nodes that you've got 3 million people on. And on my memory of, of that backhaul was that it was only a gig or two gigs. Is that going to be enough in the interim? Yeah, so
1: we, we have a, uh, a program of work around... Ensuring that we have sufficient capacity in the HFC network, ensuring the sufi- sufficient capacity in the multiple parts of the fixed wireless um, network, whether it be the at the cell level or the EPG level or transmission level, um, but also ensuring that our transit network has sufficient capacity in place. And and there has been a there, during the COVID period clearly we um, that the transit network capacity stood up really well. And yes, right, there will be a need for ongoing evolution of that network but we have a specific um, program in 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 place graham as part of the bau actually for data growth to ensure that we keep up uplifting the capacity of that transit network yeah. so the answer to your question is no if we did nothing yeah. clearly you would start to have congestion but for the the investment that we're making on an annual basis will absolutely ensure that we do that and we we're we're also modernizing it and making sure that we can do put capacity in a efficient way to keep building what's needed in, in the in the backhaul so so yes we're confident ground up with that um uplifting capacity that's needed we absolutely have a program a place to deal with
0: well moving on aussie broadband uh australia's fifth largest fixed broadband provider announced its financial results this week they were very impressive revenue up 84 percent Subscribers up 53%. And uh, in the context that there was no acquisition driving that, that was all done on its own uh, two feet. Um, Probably the most interesting part of the results for me was that in the second half of the financial year, their market share has absolutely ballooned to the point where in the month of June, they were accounting for about a quarter of um, net NBN signups. We had a really good chat with Phil Britt about this and all sorts of other topics this week. Here it is.
2: Well, I think probably the first thing is the the figure's um, net service activation. So it's basically activations less losses equals the gain. Um, So that's partly what drives that high number. But ultimately, in terms of what attributes, um, I think people are looking for basically – it's just the old-fashioned stuff. They they want good customer service and experience. They want a network that works, and they they just want – products that are easy so and they're, they're the things that we deliver it's um i think too often telco has been fairly average in the customer experience department um and that's that's where we've concentrated and continue to win
0: okay the key the key thing though is that even though you, you clearly invest quite a lot in your customer service um and, and your support systems you've still managed to maintain um impressive EBITDA growth Yep, uh, and so what do you attribute
2: that 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 we we tie that back to our, our software and our systems. So all of our systems are internally built. Um, we have a, a software engineering team that's got no E forty people in it now. Um, and we've really tried to, it's not only making it easy for the customer, but it's actually making it easy for the team. So, we measure things by essentially like touch per staff member. So, orders going through um, what percentage actually need to be touched by a staff member versus run through automation, all those sorts of things.
0: Okay. Now, the the other side um, of the business which you have, which is a little bit underappreciated perhaps is... What you're doing in in the SME and the enterprise space, and that that those business um, that business unit went up 90 percent in the financial year. But you, you also talked today in your investor presentation about some big plans for that area, on along, along the lines of being more solutions focused. You're getting into getting into some sort of interesting new products and so on. Can you talk us through what your plans
2: are there? Yeah, look, ultimately, business has been, um, I guess, more traditional telco, so broadband and voice. Um, what we're looking to do is provide the whole solution to businesses um, and, and package it in a way that's perhaps a bit more unique to just buying a broadband service, buying a voice service, buying whatever other widget needs to go on the side. It's It's about looking at the business holistically. Um, what are they trying to achieve in their business Um, and then working out the right overall solution that fits for that. So um, we'll build some products internally for that. We might do some acquisitions along the way that build capability in that area for us. Um, So there's a few different things we're doing there.
0: Yeah, and on, on the M and A uh, topic, you said in your presentation that something might be happening in the first half of this current financial year. Yeah, can you can you give us the scoop <laughs> on what you what you're up
2: to? Uh, I'm afraid I can't give you anything more than that, other than that uh, we've got a few irons in the fire, and hopefully one of them will pop out soon. So
0: okay, okay, fair enough. More generally, um, the, the stock market is very aware of, of the growth that you're experiencing and they've rewarded you with a, a pretty big market cap. I think it's gone yeah. over $700 million the last uh, few days. Um does, yeah. And that's a, a PE ratio of 29, I think, although maybe my numbers are a bit out there. Um, um, does that put you under a lot of pressure? I mean, there's a very high expectation in the market that you've got to keep on um, performing miracles. What, what kind of pressure does that, that
2: uh, add to you? Look, it certainly is a lot of pressure and um, yeah, it's something we're constantly aware of and it's it's hard to deliver sort of 100% year-on-year growth sort of thing when you're starting to get to the size that we are. So certainly feeling the pressure in that regard, but um, we've got a pretty big team now. There's over 600 of us um, and where we're really starting to add the capability now is at that, that um, sort of middle management and, and um, skills layer because our, our core leadership team is eight people who've been here for the last five years and sort of created this um, I guess this this journey that we've been on uh, to growth but we're finding that uh, we can't do it alone and so we're we're doing a lot more um, recruitment around building that that smart people capability is what I call it um, so that we can share the load and, and share the love so,
0: Interesting and unique, uh, uniquely for a telco um, in Australia, you are adding staff, as you just alluded to. Not many are. Um, Yeah. um, What are the challenges in terms of recruitment and, and building and adding to teams during a pandemic when you can't even physically meet them?
2: Yeah, look, it, it, it has been challenging. Um, fortunately, we've been able to do some onboarding of staff in, in offices, but we've only got probably 20% of our team actually in office at the moment. Um, the rest are at home. But we've, like, there was a point there um, last year where that we had 30 new um, mid tier managers that hadn't actually met their general manager in person um, for a period of about six months, which is just sort of unheard of. But um, look, we've, We've embraced, um, I guess, the online world um, and, and we've had to, to learn from it. But it, it certainly doesn't replace the face-to-face, but it's, it's, it's been hard. But I think overall, it's been been successful.
0: Yeah, well, evidently, judging by the results. Um, yeah. Um, just uh, while we're speaking, Phil, I wanted to ask you about what's happening with, with NBN pricing and the regulatory yeah. review right now. What would you like to see happen? In terms of, of, of the variation to the SAU and perhaps new approaches to pricing from MBN.
2: Look, I think we've got to get to the point where um, we we essentially have flat rate um, pricing, no no usage based component, and I think everyone knows that it needs to get there. It's just what what the mechanisms are to get there and how longs are going to take. Um, and whilst it's been fantastic to see progress. Um, we need that progress to speed up and the um ultimately the 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 cvc lockdown relief has helped a bit it certainly hasn't mitigated all of our additional usage um and i think it would be great to see some more happen in that area um but we're really just band-aiding what is um essentially a pricing model that's just not fit for purpose anymore so
0: and I guess is, is that uh, going to be somewhat um, exacerbated by the withdrawal of the focused on fast rebates? I mean, there's still something remaining, but not as generous as was the case. And, and now you've got a, a higher buy price for those premium AVCs, plus this, this constant threat of CBC overage charges as well. And that's make it very difficult for you.
2: Yeah, look, it's it's all of those elements and I think um, as much as the focus on fast has sort of helped to offset CVC to a, a degree, it also created other problems in the industry where by NBN, um, I guess, trying to influence the retail market and then push it towards higher speed tiers. It creates unnecessary sort of churn events in the industry. Um, and the, there's winners and losers um, from that in the retail space. So for, for the wholesaler to effectively pit its retailers against each other, um, doesn't seem like a particularly good way because the house wins every time with these with these um, schemes, but different RSPs win and lose depending on how they implement them. So
0: That's a, that's a very interesting analogy there, actually. Yes. Um, final question for you. I know you've had a busy day. Um, mobile, uh, you had some nice growth there, albeit off a low base, but you did indicate that it's a big part of Aussie Broadband's future to try and sell multiple products to your customers. So how big is mobile
2: in terms of that? <laughs> Yeah, look, we see mobile has got a huge upside. I mean, um, most homes only have one broadband connection, but they all have multiple mobile services. And so we're sort of looking at it that typically when we win a mobile customer, we don't just win one phone, we win two or three phones generally. Um, and now that we've got essentially the right pricing construct, we know we can move the dial on that. And what we saw happen in sort of May and June um, was particularly encouraging. So... And the other element is we had to migrate our existing base off their Telstra mobile net agreement, and we sort of, like everyone, thought, oh, that might be a fairly hard ask, but the pardon me, the retention rate has been been surprisingly good um, on the transition through. So it it sort of shows that um, the network is there, it, it suits the majority of people, and um, there isn't a need to pay those sort of higher prices for it. So.
0: Now, before we finish up, I just wanted to note the passing of Professor Reg Cootes last Sunday in Adelaide. Um, he passed away from cancer. He'd been ill for quite a while. Um, of course, for those of you who've been to State conferences regularly over the past few years, he was quite a fixture. You know, he, he, he spoke at many of our events and always gave very very interesting opinions about the state of progress in telecoms he contributed massively to industry debates in both wireless and wired communication i just wanted to note that and um we just wanted to pass on our uh, regards from comms day to the family of rich and note his passing rest in peace Okay, that's it for CommStay Live this week. We'll see you next time.